all of our conversations with the executive team have been around, okay, how do we move the needle for Banfield? How do we grow the business? How do we make sure our people are proud to work here and proud of our leadership and that our clients see Banfield as a company they want to work with? So that's been the grounding for all of those conversations. And then there is certainly, you know, you get to understand leaders. Some are better at digital media. Some are better speaking with fireside chats versus doing live broadcast interviews, right? So you kind of go through that audit and understand what are the sweet spots um, and how do you build a communications plan around both their preferences as well as where the business is headed so that it's holistic and it's integrated and you've sort of covered all of your, your bases. Welcome to the Executive Communications Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton, founder of Agate Executive Communications in Portland, Oregon. Every day, leaders are taking advantage of new ways to communicate with their clients, employees, and the press. From podcasting, video, and innovative tactics to engage on social media. On the Executive Communications Podcast, we talk with the people behind the scenes that are crafting the strategy and messaging for their executive teams and dig into the evolution of how leaders communicate to move their organizations forward. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Executive Communications Podcast. This is our our inaugural episode. Uh, My name is Dan Bruton. I'm your host. Very excited to have our first guest, Anthony Goreri, who's the Senior Vice President of Public Affairs for Banfield Hospital. Anthony, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Excited to be part of this inaugural podcast as well. Congrats to you. Thanks. Yeah, you know, and uh, I've had other podcasts, but I really wanted to focus on specifically executive communications because it's changed so much. But let's let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your kind of career journey leading up to Banfield, and then we'll get into your current role, if that sounds okay. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I sort of had a non-traditional path, actually, into communications. So I started my career in banking. I was actually an analyst at JP Morgan, so very far away from this field. And I did major in communications at school. I went to NYU. And so I had this sort of duality of being a communications major, but then working in financial services. And I, I always say that I learned how to be a professional at J.P. Morgan. It's a great organization, but I quickly learned that financial services wasn't really for me. I wanted right. something a little bit more creative. And I think, you know, through all the work I did on the finance side, I learned that storytelling was such a critical part of the success journey of the companies I was working with. And that really intrigued me. So I left J.P. Morgan, went to Ogilvy Public Relations, working yeah. largely for financial services clients, given my background. And working on the agency side is such a critical part, I think, of any communicator's career. Got to work with some of the smartest people in our industry, got exposed to in-house teams, some of the organizations I may want to work at, may not want to work at based on what I learned. And you get to work on this great cross-section of crisis, consumer, corporate, public affairs, traditional PR. So it was a really great learning ground. From there, I went in-house for a company called Adeco, which is the world's largest staffing firm. Got to build a communications team in the US for them, which was a lot of fun. And then actually moved... um, to China for two years, was based oh, in wow. Shanghai, working for IBM, leading emerging markets communications for their consulting business. And for me, that was really eye-opening to see how stakeholder relationships are so different in um, international markets. So um, doing a PR campaign in China, very different than in the United States. So that was just a really eye-opening experience. And I led most of our 
relationships with top-tier reporters in China. So working with the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, an especially tense moment between U.S.-China relations, IBM being mm. a big tech company, um, was under a lot of scrutiny by the Chinese government. So it was a really interesting moment in time to be there, to learn about a different culture and communications on the other side of the world and, and expand my horizons. And that, from there, is what led me to Mars, which is the parent company of Banfield Pet Hospital. And so um, I've always worked in different industries. I love communications, but what I love about that is you can work in so many different environments. And so left right. IT, yes. went to consumer packaged goods. I worked for Mars Wrigley, which is the confectionery giant behind Snickers and Twix and M&Ms. Um, worked there for about five years based in the New York area and led all facets of communications in the U.S. and Latin America. Um, and then this Banfield opportunity popped up, and that was about two years ago. Mars, actually, um, the one of the largest parts of our business is in pet care. And so we own many of the large pet food brands that you know and love, like Iams and Pedigree and Royal Canin, as well as being the largest employer of veterinarians in the world. And Banfield is a big part of that. So about two years ago, I was approached with the opportunity to move out to the Pacific Northwest, which was always something that was high on my list, a part okay. of the country that um, I had friends in is... Uh, I always knew to be beautiful, good food, um, good culture, lots of opportunities to be outside, and just really explore a different part of the U.S. that I didn't have a ton of exposure to in the past. And so my wife and I and our three young children decided to uh, pick up, move across the country, and start this role at Banfield, where I lead corporate affairs, which is ultimately a mix of internal communications, corporate reputation, industry relationships, community giving, as well as being chair of the Banfield Foundation, which is a public charity that provides funding to uh, provide preventive care, preventive veterinary care to pets in need across the U.S. and globally. So it's been an amazing journey. It's been an amazing ride. And I'm really happy to be here in the, the Portland area now as well. Yeah, we're glad to have you here because I'm in Portland uh, as well. So, well, I mean, it's just an awesome pedigree you've had and really kind of gone from, you know, agency to in-house to different industries. So just kind of back up a little bit, you know, when you were just starting out in communications, what's something you'd want to pass on to like younger people getting into the industry? It's evolved so much that we're going to get into, but I'd love for you just to to kind of a teaching moment, maybe pass on some advice. Yeah, I think that one of the things that you learn really fast is you have to understand the business environment behind what you're communicating. And I think especially when I worked on the agency side, there was such, at the time, an emphasis on earned media and getting top-tier news coverage and really churning through media relations. And then you go in-house and you're the client and you realize not every story is a good story. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of other... You know, there's a context behind what's happening inside of a company. And so understanding what really moves the needle for a business, what's, what communication act are, pieces are activities, not actually impact building moments, is really important. So I think deciphering between what's an activity versus what's impact, what's really meaningful to drive the business forward versus, you know, a, a tactic that you're proud of is really important to sort of differentiate between. So I think... You learn that a lot when you do go in-house and when you have strong client relationships, but making sure to know the difference is important. And you've, you, you've changed too. You've had a world like with IBM, more B2B. Now it's more consumer. What's some, um, I guess it's all, you know, coming together, uh, I would say, and especially, you know, B2B has made a, a quite evolution, but 
what are some things you've learned just between co- making that crossover? I, I think it's been really helpful to have both, right? To have to understand the importance of sort of when you're in that B2B environment, it often seems a little bit less sexy, if you will, right? And it's a little bit more complex from a stakeholder standpoint. And it's a lot of like buttoned up business communications, which isn't always the thing people jump toward immediately. Yeah. But it gave me personally a really good foundation when I went into more the B2C side to say, if we're going to partner with this celebrity, let's say, with this um, organization, is it going to really move the dial from a business standpoint? Or is it something mm-hmm. that is just creative for creative sake, right? So mm-hmm. it's sort of understanding both sides of it helps you think a little bit differently on both ends. And then we just think B2B, is this consumable? Would this be interesting outside of the context of our industry? Is it really meaningful work um, beyond just kind of a checking checking the box, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And no, that's really helpful and, and I think insightful for, for folks to know. So, you know, this opportunity at Banfield, you have, I think, dynamic colleagues mm-hmm. and executive leadership, yeah. uh, especially your, your, your president, uh, Brian Garish. So is that part of what attracted yes. you to kind of working with in that? Because you do push the needle a little bit. I want to get into that, especially on social with with Brian. So is that a big part of you taking those yeah, opportunities? Yeah, I think there, there's multiple pieces for me. When I met Brian as part of the interview process, I could tell that he had a lot of energy to try new things, to communicate a bit differently than most organizations do, to leverage digital and social in a different way than has typically been done to really engage with our associates and build reputation to do both of those things. So his energy, enthusiasm, and excitement for big ideas, good ideas, new ideas was a big part of what attracted me to the role. I think the other piece was around, you know, having worked at Mars, our long-term view, it being a private company. I have um, a big affiliation with the values and principles within Mars. And so the idea that I could stay within one company and go from working on comms plans for M&Ms and then to veterinary care is amazing. And so that diversity that it could bring and this category, the pet category is an amazing um, place to work and to talk about puppies and kittens most of the day (laughs) isn't too hard. So it was a combination of really feeling a connection to Brian and the leadership and the vision of the company, plus having the support of this larger organization, which I'm really proud to be a part of that, Mm -hmm. you know, supports career journeys like this was a win-win. So, you know, you coming in there, you've been there two years, um, getting to work with Brian and the other executive leaders. When you, that part of the job, when you're saying, hey, how are we going to elevate you, you know, um, our leadership? What are some of the things you, after you kind of audited and um, took stake of who they were as people that you wanted to do? Yeah, I think we talk a lot as a leadership team about this intersection of our business with societal issues, right? So I think a big part of the process whenever I've taken any role is to sit down with the management team and have conversations. What's what, what's your passion areas? Um, where would you love to see the business being placed as far as whether it's on digital communications or a partnership or whatever? What's your dream state, right? To mm. sort of set the landscape of, okay, what, what are the the hopes and dreams of a leadership team. And then, you know, what are the key business priorities that we should ideate around, right? Because you always want to be grounded in what's going to grow the business. You know, it it isn't about building uh, just the profile of the person. It's about building the profile of the business. And that's what we've got to be grounded Mm. in. So all of our conversations with the executive team have been around, okay, how do we move the needle for Banfield? How do we grow the business? How do we make sure our people are proud to work here and proud of our leadership? And that our clients, see 
Banfield as a company they want to work with. So that's been the grounding for all of those conversations. And then there is certainly, you know, you get to understand leaders. Some are better at digital media. Some are better speaking with fireside chats versus doing live broadcast interviews, right? So you kind of go through that audit and understand what are the sweet spots um, and how do you build a communications plan around both their preferences as well as where the business is headed so that it's holistic and it's integrated and you've sort of covered all of your your bases. So that's really what we started from. And going back to this idea of, you know, what's relevant in society and then what's relevant to our business. So a great example of that is something like student debt. Student debt's a big issue in the United States as a whole. It happens to be a really big industry within the veterinary industry. Um, the largest student debt population, like the most debt of any um, group uh, employee group, is veterinarians. They typically really? will graduate with $160,000 worth of debt. Ouch. So it's a huge issue. So we determined we needed to do something about it. So we do have a student debt relief program within Banfield that we offer our associates. Um, only 8% of companies offer a benefit like this. And then as a communications professional, it was like, okay, well, now how do we use this, not just as a moment to sort of boast what we're doing, but to help drive the rest of the industry and other employers to offer benefits like this so that we can get more people into the veterinary profession. So mm. we have used it as a, a moment. We've, you know, we've gotten coverage and everywhere from the Wall Street Journal to uh, industry publications. We use it on our digital media. We try to drive speaking opportunities off of that platform because, again, it, it shows that Banfield's a great place to work. It shows that our leaders are thinking about the future. It shows right. mutuality about how do we want to drive our business, but also help people. And it's just it's it's a great thought leadership um, moment as well to help educate other companies about why they should offer benefits like that. I love that that's part of like more of an industry thing. You're not just saying, I mean, selfishly a little bit, you want the best sure. to work for you, but you're also driving like to, to make change with competitors or frenemies yeah. kind of in the industry. So um, going back to that, like the individual uh, manager or leader that you kind of mm -hmm. get their different styles with, it is kind of a fine line of, you know, um, elevating them, but also incorporating the strategic part of why we're doing that to drive the business sure. forward. So, and I think there's some misconceptions out there, especially if, you know, you're on LinkedIn a lot like me, or maybe you, it's just everybody's got the top 10 things to become an influencer or get this much engagement, which kind of drives me crazy, but it is a, a, a fine line. So what would you kind of say to that, where it's not just about you know, like making your executive an influencer, right? No, that's not really the goal. No, I think yeah. you've got to always start with what's the business imperative, what's the business need. I think for us, you know, there's there's two pieces. One is our workforce at Banfield is 86% millennial Gen Z. So we know that they are going to be using social media more than your average workforce. And so we do have a lot of visibility around our leadership team on social media because we use it as an internal communication channel as well mm. as an external communication channel, right? So we know, you know, in our hospitals, our associates aren't sitting in front of a computer all day like a corporate workforce. So they're on their phones. They're using mobile apps like Instagram and LinkedIn. So we use those as these external channels where, yes, it's external, but we pick and choose the right messages to share so that it's external friendly as well. And that it creates mm -hmm. this two-way dialogue between us and our associates. And so I think you've, you got to start with sort of like, what's the business need? And then how do you build around that business need in a really responsible and smart way? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I know the in 
using it as an internal communications kind of tool is pretty interesting because mm-hmm. there are some downsides mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Y- you know, you got to be very responsive. Uh, there's a lot of things. And talk about how specifically just getting to know uh, your president, Brian, sure. a little bit, how he, how he does and yeah. how you support him do that. Because you told me about last time we talked, especially during, um, uh, I think it was like a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. it was like Texas, yeah, like yeah, during yeah. The, the, yeah. how he kind of used that. Yeah, I would say you you need to have a leadership team and a leader that is organically interested in doing it, right? So we're very lucky in that Brian, he he is absolutely leading the charge on this, and he's really passionate about it. And it stems from his desire to be responsive and listen to our associates. So, you know, he gets... I would say like a dozen plus DMs a day from, you know, everyone from our client service coordinators to our veterinary assistants to, you know, individuals in our corporate office that will ask him questions. And oftentimes the answer is no, we cannot do that. Or that's, that's not possible. Or yes, we can. And I'll have someone look into it, but he responds within the few minutes typically that people will DM him. And so that's what has created that sort of organic reach of um, his profile within our associate population, but you do need to be ready for that. You need to be open to that because if you're just sending things out and not responding, you're not going to get the engagement and it won't feel as authentic as it is. So I would say that's probably the most important thing. You want to make sure that it's real, that your leader feels just as strongly about it as you do as a communicator and will be available to respond on their behalf. Like there's certainly support and help behind the scenes, but most of the time it's the direct communication that he's having with an employee. And for him, especially through COVID, you can't walk through a hall and engage with people like you would um, when we were all in the same office. You can't visit our hospitals the same way you would um, pre-COVID. So social media has created that level of connectivity that you know, doesn't exist in this, in, in, without that, in this, you know, virtual world today. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, uh, authenticity and it's a word that gets thrown mm-hmm. around a lot right now in the business, uh, you know, kind of world. But what, what does that really mean in terms of communications internally and externally yeah. for, for you? And I think it means you have to embrace the personality of whichever leader you're supporting, right? So you want to make sure you amplify what's important to them. Again, intersecting with the business always because it's it's meant to be corporate communications, but you do want to make sure that it feels real so that when someone is engaging on Instagram or they're talking in a town hall or they're in a traditional media coverage that it feels like a, the same person throughout all of those channels and it doesn't yeah. feel a bit like, you know, whiplash, right? Like I'm getting one version of you here, another version of you here. So you have to find a way to make whatever leader you're supporting comfortable with their messaging, comfortable being who they are and knowing where their strengths and weaknesses are so that you kind of nudge them in certain directions, right? Like maybe we do this, not this. And then we'll use our whomever to cover that gap because I think as a communicator, we have to be those eyes and ears to give that counsel, give that advice and know where um, to help people develop and improve and, and where to maybe push them in a different direction and push their energy there. Yeah, no, that's really, really great advice because we all know, not in your company, of course, or uh, but other companies you people see out there are just like, that's a little too much, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, what do you think, uh, I want to talk about the evolution of just like leadership communications, executive communications, 
you know, you talked about early in your career, it was really about earned media. Mm-hmm. Now with everybody having their own channels or be able to use that megaphone across different channels, mm-hmm. how do you see it evolving? And how does maybe like earned media still play a role? Yeah, in, in that? it's still relevant, right? I think there's still something to be said. I know, you know, recently we had a story on the cover of the Wall Street Journal and that felt that was exciting, right? There was still a yeah. buzz that came with that placement, but it, it certainly isn't the same pinnacle of communications that it was when I started in this field. I think now that owned media um, plays such a, a critical role and you can get your message out there without earned media, I think that has definitely changed the dynamic. So I think we look at everything as a hybrid integrated approach, especially in really close partnership with our marketing team so that Mm -hmm. the paid owned earned strategy is really in sync because that's the only way you're going to get your message to really resonate is if it's integrated across all of those channels. And so we feel very lucky to have a marketing team that's got great content, got a great strategy, and that we partner and work really closely together to make it really safe, yeah. right? So that when we have a big moment yeah. as a company, it is really integrated across everything that we do internally, externally, and all of those different platforms. And I think that's the only way to break through in today's environment, right? Beyond like a great viral moment that you know happens sometimes by accident sometimes on purpose yeah we have found that to be the most successful way so you can't take that earned approach like earned first approach that we used to and i think that's Mm. that's the shift in thinking and then for you know folks that are early in their career that join your team they're just so native at that Mm -hmm. kind of thinking probably Mm -hmm. you probably have a lot to learn yeah oh a ton to learn yeah yeah, let's talk about that like the people that are coming out of college or i you know, when I interact with someone who's just done with college, I'm blown away, yeah. like how much they know, especially in the marketing or communication, just how natural the, these types of things are for them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what's your thoughts on the, the, the folks entering the communication? Yeah, I think there's field? there's such an exchange of knowledge, right? I think when someone new comes up to our team, I think especially like you're mentioning on the digital front, there's so much more better versed in what's happening. They help to teach me and my leadership team about all of those things. There's also, you know, sort of a BS factor that they bring into it around Mm. like that's too corporate, you know, that's not going to resonate or they'll push the boundaries around when should a company stand up and and not, and when do we be vocal? You know, if I look back five, 10 years ago, there are issues you know, the companies I were part of are afraid to speak out on that now we do because mm-hmm. the world has changed. So I think you want to find that balance. And I think on the other end, it's that piece around like, okay, we can't talk about everything. So mm-hmm. what are the things that move the needle for the business? What's reputation building versus what is, what, you know, brand washing an issue, right? Like yeah. finding that balance. So I think I think, you know, ensuring that when you bring new people in, you give them a seat at the table so they feel empowered to use their voice, push back on you, um, tell you when you might be wrong or you're being too conservative or you're not being digital first. That's the key. You want to create a culture and environment where people are comfortable to push back regardless of their level, regardless of their experience, so that you get to the best end product. And it's kind of we wrap here. I think it is an important time to talk about, I know Banfield and Brian have been at the forefront of speaking out of social issues and, you know, having you supporting um, things. That's what is internally that the strategy behind that, if any, again, I know there's authenticity and, and serving your employees, but that's becoming yeah. an imperative yeah. for companies. Like you said, previously we're 
companies might have just yeah. kept their mouths shut. It's not really an option. Yeah, right? I think it starts for, for us, it always starts first with, you know, we're part of a big global organization, right? So we work really closely with Mars on all of these issues to understand, you know, is it something that is critically important globally for Mars? Is it just a U.S. issue for Mars? Is it a Banfield thing if it's inside of the veterinary industry versus some of our sister organizations? So we're always sort of right. trying to determine who should lead where, when, and how, and then how do we best support that at our within our organization at Banfield, right? So it's always this that's the dialogue that happens when there's a major social issue is yeah. okay, do we have an aligned point of view as a company? Do we want to empower a leader who's particularly passionate about the issue to be the voice of it because they have the right organic reason to do so? So there's that's the sort of debate, if you will, that we always have because we want to find the most responsible way to engage. Because I think what, what we really start from at Mars is we don't want to, we're not looking to take advantage of situations. We only want to engage when it's meaningful and we put right. investment, whether it's through resource or through speaking out previously to help progress the issue. So that's really mm-hmm. where we start from. And the last part uh, of your job is you recently took on the helm of the president of the Banfield Foundation. Yes, yeah. So let's, let's tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing honor to be a part of the Banfield Foundation. The foundation's been around for five years and has helped over 5 million pets in that time frame. And, um, you know, the funding that we raise across our hospitals and with our associates and with our partners is around bringing preventive veterinary care to pets that would not have access to that without the financial support of the foundation. So we have a really great um, board of passionate um, folks across the veterinary industry and outside of the industry as well to help mm. and push us think a little bit differently. We're also also based here in the Portland area of the foundation. So it's a great partnership between the foundation and, and the organization. And it's been a really fun opportunity to get to think a little bit differently, take off my Banfield pet hospital hat, you know, in those meetings and in those discussions to really progress care for pets. So it's, it's an honor and it's, it's a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Congrats on that. And, and lastly, where can people find you? Well, I mean, what are your social media? Yeah. Or maybe you don't, you stay off social no, media. I, I don't, don't. know. What, you know <laughs> I don't, I'm definitely, uh, you know, active across the traditional channels like Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I find myself often, I, I could be more passive, which is funny because you help so many other people communicate yeah. And I do like to use it as a source of knowledge and information and, and two-way dialogue like like we talked about with our associates, right? I get to see what's happening inside of our hospitals when I go on Instagram, which is an amazing yeah. resource. But yeah, all of those traditional channels you can find me on and always, always happy to answer questions or engage. And last question, how do you recharge? And especially when communications, you got to be really on top. You got to know what's going on. A lot of stuff you don't want to, but you need to know. Um, and it's, it's a lot. I mean, I find myself constantly online reading yeah. things especially in the business news and sometimes i'm just like i just want to <laughs> shut it all off well, you know i have the advantage of um three young daughters who are five and i have a two-year-old a four-year-old and a five-year-old so they force wow. me i don't know if i'd call that recharging always but they force <laughs> me to kind of disconnect right so yeah, one yeah. of the nice things about working from home currently is you know i'll be done with a call at 5 30 and you know, I, I, I hang up my team's call and I literally like the universe kind of takes over when you when I leave yeah. uh, my office in our house. And the three of them really do take over my brain for a little bit when I take a little yeah, break. Yeah. So that's really how I recharge. Obviously, I try to exercise and create breaks. It is hard. You get Zoom and Teams fatigue in this environment. So I encourage my team to kind of like take breaks, go for a walk, 
do things to kind of take care of yourself. And I think that really helps to keep the energy up as much as possible. Well, Anthony, thanks so much for being the, the inaugural guest. Anytime. And thank really you for inviting it. me. Thank you for listening to the Executive Communications Podcast. To learn more about our guest and have a deeper dive into each episode, visit agateexecutivecommunications.com. That's agate, A-G-A-T-E, executivecommunications.com.